verse 28. We return to this text again this morning. And Peter answered him, said, Lord, if it be thy bid me come unto thee on the water. I just want to go over the introduction of the first point briefly that we dealt with last week. As we know that the Lord Jesus, wherever he went, they had multitudes following him. They followed him because they wanted to hear him preach the word of God. And what a privilege that must have been. What an experience that must have been. For we know it said of him, never man spake like this man. Others wondered and marveled at the gracious words that came forth out of his mouth. The multitude gathered not only to hear and preach the word of God, we know the multitudes were there bringing their sick with them that the Lord might heal them. (coughs) We see that in verse 14 of Matthew 14. And Jesus went forth, saw a great multitude, and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. So the multitudes were there. Then at this portion of scripture, where we commenced our reading, we find that the Lord, on this occasion, sent the multitudes away. He sent the multitudes away, and on the one hand, we're, we've just read, when he saw the multitudes, he had compassion on them. Now he's sending that same multitude of people away. You wonder why? Well, John chapter 6 and verse 15 gives us the answer. The Lord perceived that the multitude of people there wanted to make him king. They wanted to make him an earthly king. But your Christ is king. Remember the wise men when they came to the Lord. What did they say? Where is he that is born king? No man is born king but Christ was. And so there was no making of Christ the king. But it was an earthly king that they were thinking about. And they were going to take him by force. So the Lord sent the multitude away. He went up into a mountain. To be alone. And we're told he constrained. Constrained is the word. His disciples to get into a ship. And to go before him. Onto the other side. 
constrained. The word means to force. Think of it. Here are the disciples of the Lord. And the Lord has to force them to get into the ship. To go to the other side. But when you look at the circumstances, well, you have to say, in a way, we understand that. Because the Lord was putting the, telling the disciples, constraining them to get into a ship and to go before him. In other words, he was going up into a mountain and he wouldn't be in the ship with them. And that's why they had he had to constrain them to go without him. It reminds us of the words of Moses who led the children of Israel out of Egypt into the land of promise. What did Moses say? If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up then. In other words, Moses wanted the Lord's presence with him, as we all do. But here, while the disciples would not have the Lord's presence with them, physical presence with them in the ship <coughs> as they went to the other side there was one thing they could be assured of they would have his prayers because he went up into a mountain verse 23 apart to pray and so dear child of God when the Lord gives us an order a order in the serving of him and you're not aware of the Lord's presence you can be sure of this you can be aware of the Lord's prayers he is with us of course always and we may not just be conscious or aware of his presence but we know this the Lord is praying and we have his prayers he's at the right hand of God where he ever liveth to make intercession for us and certainly the disciples felt the absence of the Lord's presence that night in verse 24 and the ship was now in the midst of the sea tossed with waves for the wind was contrary notice those disciples the wind was contrary in other words they were in a ship and the wind was against them they were struggling against the wind we all like to have the wind at our back as we often say but then there are those times when our storms and life, the wind's against us. And we're struggling to make any progress or headway. And we feel like Jacob when he said, all these things are against me. Well, 
the disciples here struggled in the midst of this storm but it was just then that the Lord came to them it's not just typical of the Savior when you're struggling the Lord will come to you bless his name I want you to notice first of all the coming of the Savior it must have been a frightening experience for those disciples they were there alone in the ship struggling against the wind that was contrary blowing against them and John gives us another detail it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them John 6 and 17 that's right when things seem to be against us when we're not too sure where the Lord is then that right everything seems so dark dark we wonder when the sun as it were will shine again but then that's when the Lord came to these disciples notice that he came to them in the watch we have the watch and the saviour we're told that he came in the fourth watch of the night that's three o'clock in the morning three o'clock in the morning and it was dark so it was the middle of the night it was dark and the winds were contrary unto them then we read in the fourth watch of the night Jesus went forth unto them walking on the sea how typical this is of our saviour he will come to us when the hour is darkest and all seems to be against us but he will not leave us in the severest storms of life believer be sure of this the Lord will not leave you abandon you that's what he has said I will never leave thee no never I will never leave thee nor forsake thee the Lord Jesus is the one who knew what it was like to be forsaken from Calvary he was forsaken of God the word forsake means abandoned the Lord will never <coughs> abandon his people for he said in Isaiah 43 verse 2 when thou passest through the waters I will be with thee I will be with thee and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee that's who he is 
And there the Lord fulfilled that promise that night. But he came to the disciples in the midst of that storm. On the third watch of the night, three o'clock in the morning, as well as the watch of the Savior, they have the walk of the Savior. When the Lord made his way to the disciples that night, he did so in a miraculous way. Verse 25, he came to them walking on the sea. None of the disciples would have expected to see such a thing. The Lord coming to them in the midst of the storm, walking on the sea. But then we can learn from that that whenever we are in the midst of our storms of life, the Lord will come to us in a most unexpected way. He'll come to our aid in a way that we look not for. Isaiah 64 and 3. So the Lord came to those disciples in that night in a way that they looked not for. But then that storm and those waves and the wind could never hold Christ from coming to the aid of his disciples. And then that lesson no matter how great your problem is it will not hinder the Lord coming to your aid. Nothing is too great for the Savior. Praise his name. <coughs> Job declared of this God, which alone spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the waves, treadeth upon the waves of the sea. Job 9, verse 8. So the Lord walked on the sea as though he was walking through the streets of Jerusalem. Why was he able to do so? Why could the Lord walk upon the sea? Answer simple. Because he's God. He Why? Sure, he created the sea. He created the sea. He created all things. And so being able, after creating the sea, he's able to walk on the sea. <coughs> made his way to the disciples as well as the watch of the Savior and the walk of the Savior to have the word from the Savior verse 26 walking on the sea they were troubled and cried out for fear then we read but straightway and Jesus spake unto them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. That's a lovely sentence there. Straightway. So the disciples were afraid. 
but then it says straightway in other words immediately Jesus spake unto them saying be of good cheer <coughs> believe how often in the midst of the storms of life has a word from the Lord brought you good cheer it has cheered you up hasn't it it has lifted your spirits they were troubled they were afraid but the Lord had a word for them over the years of your Christian experience how often have you experienced that the Lord had a word for you it's as if it was as if that verse of scripture was written specifically for you it met your need the Lord had a word for these disciples but what the Lord said to them ought to have cheered them all the more we pointed this out last week does no harm to look at it again and again because the Lord said be of good cheer it is I be not afraid it is I that's how we have it here in our English translation in the authorized version it is I those words mean I am over in Exodus in chapter 3 Moses is being sent to Pharaoh to tell Pharaoh that he's to let the children of Israel go and Moses wondered well who will I say has sent me verse 14 Exodus 3 and God said mark that God said unto Moses I am that I am and he said thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel I am has sent me unto you I am notice the letters are capitalized notice again who said that God said God said I am and when the Lord came to the disciples that night walking on the sea be of good cheer it is I be of good cheer I am in other words the one who walked upon the sea that night God Jehovah think of that it was the Lord God Jehovah I am why the Jehovah Witnesses don't like that the Mormons don't like it 
and every denier of the deity of Christ they don't like him but the Lord remember the Lord Jesus himself said to the Pharisees Jesus said unto them verily verily remember verily verily the word means truly <clears throat> so the Lord's emphasizing something truly truly I say unto you before Abraham was I am let me get the Jehovah Witnesses of the Mormons coming to the door that's where you start all oh, they'll come out with all that nice fancy language you ask them who do you believe the Lord Jesus is Because they deny he's God. And when they deny the day of the Christ, go to John 8 and verse 58. And Jesus says unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you before Abraham was, I am Jehovah. Don't know much of an answer for that. There is no answer. I am and so the one who came to the disciples walking on the sea was the great I am God manifest in flesh why should they be afraid and why should we fear when the Lord Jehovah the great I am is with us in the midst of the storms of life so we have considered the coming of the Saviour. One to look next at the courage of his servant. Peter certainly showed a courage that none of the other disciples demonstrated that night. For verse 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thy, bid me come unto thee on the water. There you have first of all Peter's desire. <coughs> the Lord having revealed himself to the disciples, Peter wanted to go with him or go to him and he wanted to be with him. So typical of Peter. Yes. Peter had his faults as we all do. But no one can doubt his love for the Lord. The Lord having revealed himself then to the disciples, as I said, Peter wanted to go to him. That would be natural for any servant, for any child of God. In the midst of the storm, where do you want to be? You want to be near Christ. You want to be near the Lord. Notice what he said. Lord, if it be thy bid me come unto thee I want to be with thee there you demonstrates his passion bid me come unto thee he evidently wanted to be near the saviour the saviour that he loved and when storms come upon us not where we want to be want to be near the Lord oh we want to be near the Lord
You notice not only his passion there, but he sought permission. There were those times when Peter had a knowledge but not according or had a zeal but not according to knowledge. But he showed great knowledge here. He sought permission <coughs> to get out of the ship and go towards the Lord. In the midst of the storm, he still sought permission. He still wanted to make sure that he was in the will of God. <coughs> you know, sometimes you look back over the years of your life and some of the storms you have been through, some of the experiences you've been through, You maybe made a decision. You panicked and made the wrong decision because you hadn't asked the Lord. It's easy to do. Oh, it's easy to do. In the midst of a storm, and the winds are contrary, everything's against you, and everything seems dark, it's easy to make a decision without consulting the Lord well <coughs> Peter consulted the Lord then may come unto thee as it is thy will so always remember the words of Paul or Saul of Tarsus Lord what wilt thou have me to do So the Lord gave Peter permission to come to him in verse 29 and he said come. There's a series of messages. The number of times in the Gospels you read of the Lord Jesus saying come. You know when anyone wants to be near the Lord or wants to go to Christ the Lord will always say come doesn't matter who that person is come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest come come and take of the water of life freely come Peter wanted to be near the Lord and the Lord knew that and so what did the Lord say? The Lord said Peter come, come and he's going to walk get out of the ship and go walking towards the Lord the Lord had revealed himself to Peter as the great I am and what, what was Peter doing? he was really trusting the Lord as the great I am to keep him from sinking that's when he wanted to go to the Lord after the Lord revealed his identity 
said Peter. He believed God, the Savior would hold him up. And in the storms of life, let us have faith in God, that's what we're told to do. Have faith in God, we have to have. Faith in God to hold us up. And so Peter walked on the water to go to Jesus. Something here I always like to point out because it's important. How did the Lord come to Peter and the other disciples walking on the sea? How did Peter go to the Lord? We're told walking on the water. You say, well, what's the difference? The Lord walked on the sea. He can walk anywhere on any sea. Peter was limited to the water between the ship and the Lord. It was limited for Peter, but not for Christ. He's the master of the seas. He can walk anywhere on any sea because that's who he is. And the Lord walked on the sea and Peter walked on the water. And the Lord held Peter up as he walked on the sea. Peter's desire, Peter's dread It seems that Peter had not gone very far until he began to sink. Verse 30 But when he saw the wind boisterous he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried saying Lord save me When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. What had Peter done? Well, it has been preached on many, many times in this portion of Scripture. Why did he begin to sink? Because he took his eyes on the Lord. He took his eyes of the great I am. He took his eyes of the Savior and put his eyes on the sea and the waves. <coughs> he took his eyes of the Lord. It's always a mistake. No matter what our circumstances, always a mistake to take your eyes off the Lord Isaiah 40 verse 25 and 26 to whom then will ye liken me or shall I be equal 
saith the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might for that he is strong in power not one failure. What did the prophet say? Lift up your eyes on high. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep looking to him. No matter how severe the storm, keep looking to Christ. Samuel Rutherford, I quoted him before, Samuel, Reverend Samuel Rutherford says, he said, when I look at Christ, I can look my eyes away. When I look at Christ, I can look my eyes away. In other words, Rutherford says, I can't take my eyes off him. For he's the altogether lovely one. <coughs> Peter's desire, Peter's dread, Peter's deliverance. As Peter began to sink in the midst of the storm, he did the only thing he could do. He prayed. And verse 30, And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. It was a short prayer, no doubt a sincere prayer, and having prayed, Lord, save me. That means that he had looked again towards the Savior. He had looked to the Lord. He looked away from the storm and fixed his gaze upon the Lord, who is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. And of course, his trust was not misplaced and we put our trust in Christ it's never misplaced for the Lord answered that short sincere prayer of Peter verse 31 and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him No, the Lord wasn't going to let his servant sink. Just as David said, Thy right hand holdeth me. Six, Psalm 63 and 8. And again he said, Now I know that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear the him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. But you notice something else there. Peter cried out. And what does it say? Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. Well, that tells me the Lord wasn't too far away from Peter because he was able to stretch out his hand. And catch Peter. 
say, believer, Lord's never too far away. He's never too far away. And he was there where Peter was. Finally, we have noted the coming of the Saviour, the courage of his servants, then you have the calming of the storm. After he had rebuked Peter for his lack of faith, why are ye so fearful? The Lord brought his servants into the ship again. And what was the immediate effect? Verse 32. And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Uh, the Lord's able to calm the storm. Over in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, There we read in Mark 4. Disciples were in the ship and a great storm arose and the dear Saviour was asleep. You know they said something terrible to the Lord. We read there in Mark 4 verse 38 at the end of the verse they came down to him and said Master, carest thou not that we perish? Not a terrible thing to say. Nobody cared for those disciples more than the Lord did. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he did the same again. Got into the ship, and there was a great camp of peace. Same Lord is able to calm our storms, calm our fears, cause that wind that is contrary to cease. That's how he is. As well as the peace, you have the prayers. Verse 33 Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. They worshipped him. They worshipped him who he is. They had already learned that night at three o'clock in the morning that Christ is the great I am. And that's how they worshipped him. 
when the wind ceased and all was calm and Peter was safe again in the ship they worshipped him of a truth thou art the son of God you know, when the Lord calms our storms causes the wind to be still and the sea to be calm that's what we ought always to do worship him praise him not forget to praise him for his deliverance and acknowledge afresh Thy art God. There was Peter, saved in a storm. And the Lord's doing it all the time. And the Lord bless his word to our hearts, let's bow in prayer. Lord thank thee for help given today we recognize thee as the great I am we recognize thee as the son of God yea God the son we recognize the triune God Father, Son and Holy Spirit good it is to have the Lord with us in the storms of life Lord bless thy word to hearts today let me a source of encouragement to all who have heard and even Lord where some of thy dear children are in the midst of a storm in life May they know the Lord is there with them. I will never leave thee. Lord, forsake thee. Lord, be with us now. Believe thy house. Take us to our homes in safety. And Lord, return us tonight for the gospel service. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit <coughs> abide and remain with us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.